0: can do special surgery where they turn your penis inside out and there's
1: a vagina inside. Preschool sends out a letter to all the parents announcing one of our students is now Rosa and we would love you all to come and celebrate and support her. And he was four years old, I didn't even know if he knew what a pronoun was. I go to the daycare a week later uh, to, to drop him off and it's Rosa, is written on the entrance sheet where I have to sign. Rosa's on his cubby. It's everywhere. And they would just look at me and listen, they would say, Helen, you should really learn to accept this and celebrate it. And I'm like, celebrate what? Celebrate that my child's going to be put on hormones and his penis will never grow and he'll never have a normal sex life and he'll be on drugs for the rest of his life? This was when she was, like, 15. Um, I remember being up in her room, and she said, I'm trans. And... I need a new name. Somehow, I got a text from CVS. Your, your prescription for TES is available. She's like, it's mine. You can't take it from me. You can get this by making a phone call and having a teleappointment. I mean, there was no psychological evaluation. There was nothing. Where does our species go if if you can cut off your body parts like this?
0: Sean had set up a. Uh appointment with an endocrinologist at the hospital to try to get hormones. I'm looking at it as, hey, this kid just needs to explain to him, hey, he's had a lot of traumatic events through his life, you know, losing his leg. We had an older son that died of a heroin overdose when he was eight years old. He went the loss of his mom being diagnosed with cancer again. I mean, I went through all, I said, all these things have to have a big effect on him. When I had the appointment with the psychiatrist, I was just blown away when she turned around and told me that he's definitely transgender um, and you are an unsupportive, abusive father. I'm trying to keep him alive. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 500. Now, this episode was to be an Ask Me Anything Special, but instead I opted to focus on what I believe to be an incredibly important movie called Dead Name, a documentary that provides an intimate portrait of three parents whose lives have been forever changed after their children have been declared or, in some cases, given a transgender identity. Um, Dead Name is an engrossing, heartbreaking, and incredibly important film that tackles an increasingly relevant subject. And people can find Dead Name at deadnamedocumentary.com. That's where I uh, watch the movie. I, too, I really recommend people go to deadnamedocumentary.com and watch this film as soon as you can. You can either rent or buy the film. And I, 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 I suggest people do that um, right after um, this um, podcast, after um, listening to this podcast, if I haven't done so already, because as I said, this is a, a, a documentary that I think is incredibly important, um, really well made. And I just want to say uh, thank you to my guest, Taylor Reese, who's with me today. She's the director of Dead Name. Um, and Taylor, thank you so, very much for joining me today. And thank you so much for your documentary as well. Um, as soon as I heard about it, I knew I had to talk to you. I'm so glad you're here to talk to me today about it.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: So first thing I wanted to talk about um, was, you know, the fact that I am plugging documentary.com as it come from the fact that the movie was removed from Vimeo, um, which I find to be an incredibly ludicrous decision. Um, not only does it speak to uh, censorship of sorts, but I think the the excuses given as to why it was removed in the first place, it, it's, it, which is a usual caveat of, I don't know, um, you know, some type of what uh, didn't agree with the content, what have you, is, is incredibly, uh, like I said, ridiculous. Because I've seen the film, and the film is not in any way, um, uh, not in any way, uh, harms people's feelings or anything. It just talks about people's stories um, that that deals with a really relevant uh, issue. And I'm just really curious about how you're feeling, say a week or so after the movie has been removed from video, and how things have been going now that the film is available at, uh, at deadnamedocumentary.com have you found that sales have actually gone uh, gone up ever since news have come yeah, out yeah. That, that the yeah. film has released yeah.
1: yeah so so um l- let me start by saying that we may- we set out to make a film that was not inflammatory, that was not political, that was not religious it it goes to the heart of what it is to be a parent. On any, you know, any spectrum of, of the world, you know, you know the, the political leanings, um, any, any, any part of the world, it speaks to any parent who suddenly finds that the transgender situation is not just an ideology or a topic around the water cooler or something that politicians are fighting over, but something that will directly impact your child, and most specifically, potentially impact your child at the medical level.
0: Hmm.
1: When, <laughs> over the course of making this film, I probably spoke to over a hundred parents, but I found, and and there were common strands that, that braided through all of their stories, common themes about um, isolation, uh, being silenced, um, feeling um, marginalized, uh, f- feeling that 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 people who they would traditionally turn to from everywhere from nursery school up through college um, and everything in between—advisors, guidance counselors, educators, the therapists—wherever wh- these parents turn, um, they are met with a reaction uh, that is incongruous with what they know their child um, to to be. Um, And yet these are all parents who have been hiding, um, who have felt erased, um, who have felt um, that their voice didn't matter. So the objective of the film was to give them a voice, was to take three heartfelt, genuine and genuinely devastating stories Um, which at first glance, you would think, what is the common denominator of a 16-year-old girl, a 22-year-old boy at college, and a a four-year-old? But as you can see, um, there is commonality in their stories. So we wove their stories together to give the world an opportunity as parents, as neutral parents, to sit down and talk about this issue and, and try to sort it out. Um, let me address the Vimeo situation first, and then we can go back to talking about what's really important, which is the issues that are dealt with in this film. Yes, Um yes. Vimeo, you know, it, it is the essence of, of irony that a film made for the very purpose of trying to give voice in a way that was, that is fair, neutral, and heartrending. rending um, is called out for quote hate speech. We say that this is a film that has love speech. This is a film that is visceral, where where we just simply go on the journeys with these parents. This is not an agenda driven film, and it's not sensationalized like some of the films in this category. Frankly, on both sides have been Vimeo um, took the film, put it up for thirty four days. Um, we were, sales were, and rentals were brisk and we were really pleased that at the early press that was, um, generating interest around the film. And then with no warning on a Monday morning, um, boom, the film was taken down and, um, it was terrifying for me because the film already had momentum and I knew there was a lot of interest, but, you know, within less than four hours, the um the technical people who stand around me got us replatformed on deadnamedocumentary.com mm. not only that but vimeo's censorship um no doubt gave us um the unintended boost and i say unintended by those who who had the film pulled down of of putting so much press out there around the censorship itself so all of a sudden set our rentals and sales started to skyrocket as um large media companies started to cover uh the issue um you know i um i i i can't say that i was entirely prepared uh for this to to, to happen this way however um I think that I've been around this issue long enough to understand that there is a very well oiled machine um, that has honed the playbook on how to cancel a message that they feel, I suppose, is um, threatening or counter to to whatever they view as gains in their civil rights. And this this concept, this idea has become so baked in and so defensive that we are, like, I, I don't know if this is the case in Australia, but we're so polarized here in the United States. Um, and um, this is the sort of thing where, you know, I, I, have, to, I have to laugh at, at, at trying to imagine how anybody at Vimeo actually sat down with some popcorn and, and scrutinized the film 35 days later. Oh, 34 days later, um, as opposed to simply just caved into pressure, as so many mainstream organizations
0: have done. And I think um, um, what's important that at uh, that point in that in the history of film and cinema and art in that matter, a lot of the times films that have been censored or banned usually comes from people's perception of what an artwork or what a film is, as opposed to what the content actually is, which I which I think is what's happening here it's not about what the film is um it's what they think it is by not watching it it's uh, comes from a place of ignorance i think
1: I, I i i agree it it comes from a place where um where 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 you know where where they're locked on on like one side of of the corner of the boxing ring and and they're just only prepared to fight as opposed to open their minds and discuss um you know my feeling about this is that for some reason, um, this issue has run on, on, on two tracks. Uh, one track has been the very loud, visible, affirming, kind of pride flag waving track where, hmm. where mainstream media has done nothing but celebrate the idea of, of, of transgender children. Um, and they've done it with all sorts of feel-good um, films, or documentaries, or other visual uh, medium uh, media, as well as as written you know written stories. I mean, countless, countless stories about you know how wonderful um, this is that children are 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 transitioning. Um, the flip side has been that parents who have suffered um, under the radar. Have felt that it's been not only impossible to have um, some sort of equilibrium with what it feels like if you have the an alternative opinion to this, but worse than that, um, how you will be punished for having that opinion. Now, I would say that we've reached a, a juncture in time, and I think I think our timing just couldn't be better. It feels to me like the, the 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 big ship might just be turning um, around because well because we've seen mainstream media like Reuters and the New York Times and the intelligentsia uh, and comics and, and 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 voices we we are starting to hear some some um, questioning uh, about puberty blockers we're hearing. Questioning about the medicalization, we're hearing, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, so, some of the dialogue. A lot of the dialogue um, gets reduced to talking about drag queen shows, but that's not what this is about. Mm. You know, that's that's it's it's not really what this is about. Here in this in in this country, um, legislation is either being passed or proposed um, in typically red states. You know, where they're trying to slow down the medicalization. Of children, and I think that at its heart, we have three parents: Amy, Helen, and Bill. And all of them tried to, you know, struggled with trying to get their head around, you know, what this means for their for their child to um, relinquish his or her name uh, to to you know to, to dress like the opposite sex. But it's not until they get to the the, the true terror for them. Is the idea of the intervention of, of medicine um, in their children's lives, um, and for various reasons, uh, it's very you know terrifying, or possibly even—I'll give it away—but life-threatening, um, because because it's medicine, and it, it these medical interventions ultimately lead to children being on medicine uh, medication for a lifetime. So I think that that's where our stories tie together at their tightest which is that which is that that terror and that fear and and the lack of control that these parents feel over their children whether they're 4 or 20.
0: The Matts Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matts Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews on top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I think what's important, what you just said there, is in regards to not only Um, the medicine being prescribed, but a lot of times it's done so without the consent of the parents themselves. Um, There are external forces um, where there are trusted institutions, where it will be educational, medicine, psychiatry, um, these places where you would think as a parent, you could perhaps be able to trust them into helping uh, a child. Um, Like in the case of um, Helen, her son, is, uh, was four years old when she got a um, notice from his daycare that he is now being referred to by a uh, female name, um, and this was news to her. Um, and then you have in the case of um, um, Amy, her 15-year-old daughter is getting medicine prescribed for her through a, through a telehealth um, uh, appointment with uh, Planned Parenthood. And again, that was news to her. She found out almost by accident um, that she was getting this medicine and it's to me it's it' almost seems like it's the parents versus the world because not only are they not getting any consent in regards to how their children should um, uh, be raised or or how they should address this topic which is becoming incredibly uh relevant both on social media and in um the the classroom um but also when they ask questions or they protest or they May they fight back? They are isolated and deemed to be unfit to be the parents of their children, and it's just madness to me.
1: It's, um, you know, it's an existential crisis in in around parenting. I mean, we've gone through millennium where there's been a tacit understanding of what role a parent plays in a child's life, and it seems like all the rules have been thrown out. Mm and there are all these forces um that um that work against parents who just simply won't you know pick up a pair of pom-poms and cheer a child on and and just you know affirm i mean there are there are just probably millions of parents who for different reasons and it it could be religious it could be political but it, but it it's more likely it's because that parent knows that child. And, um, you know, what we're really looking at, of course, is the question, what's being questioned is, is this um, really, uh, you know, is, it, is, this, is this really genuine or is it a social contagion? You know, mm-hmm. how, how is it that we suddenly have this rash of young, you know, girls and boys, let's say from 12 on up, who are suddenly declaring themselves trans, transgender, where did that come from? I, I, I'm not a scientist and I'm also not a psychologist and I will concede that, but what I, what I have read and, and what I've been told and taught is there is a very infinitesimal number of young children who, who do suffer with gender dysphoria at a very, very, very young age, you know, like one, two, three, you know, really young age um who uh in they say that in in upwards over 90% of the cases that if if you just leave the child uh to, you know do no harm leave the child to be that they will come to terms with their um given gender or sex um and and that there's a tiny tiny percentage um where the, the gender dysphoria i guess uh, pers- uh, persists and uh there have always been individuals like that who for whom there is um a path for treatment. That's fine. I I don't dispute that that, that is that is possible. But why are we seeing a rash of, of 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 20-year-olds who go to college, you know, suddenly jumping on this? Um it just doesn't make sense scientifically, you know. It it doesn't make sense, uh, you know. It's just it's a it's a um, it's an to me again not a scientist, so I'm not speaking as a scientist, but as a common as a as a an observer of the world, which I think I can qualify as that. It feels like an aberration in in terms of of the natural evolution, um, you know, of of, of where children growing up um, w- would land. I mean, who isn't uncomfortable through adolescence? You know, mm-hmm. who, who doesn't have some, you know, body issues or, or doubts or um, possibly issues about being, um, you know, um, gay or, or sexual preference? Um, but this is something other than that. And I think that it has collided with two other forces, which I think has made it ripe for this, um, I guess, what, what is what is resulting in a, in a medical experiment. One of those things, of course, is um, the Internet yes, that alo- yes. allows children to walk into this and, and find their way away from all of the other underlying social anxieties and, and struggles that they have. And and it, it's kind of like you know the Wizard of Oz going from the black and white to the co- the colorful world where you know suddenly everything is going to you know be be glorious. Um, and then at the same time, I think there's another another factor here, and that is I think that we've seen the last 20 to 25 years of a parenting culture that is quite permissive mm. um, and and willing to be led. I think, by the child's desires. And I think that collectively, um, you know, I kind of think that a lot of parents have just uh, checked their um, authority at the door and and they just, they're, they're willing to go down this path. Um, but, but that's not all parents. Um, there are a lot of parents out there who have said, no, this, I don't affirm, I can't agree. I can't sign on to this. I can't support this. It doesn't feel right in my own bones. This is not the child who I've known. Um, and one other thing about this is that, um, like I said, I've interviewed scores of parents and I, I don't think I can, can remember a single one that did not talk about underlying, that, 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 um, were underlying issues were not a major factor. Um, in this child's life, comorbidities um, as as they as they are known. So, so many of these parents would talk about children who were um, isolated in middle school, um, prone to cutting, prone to have eating disorders, social anxiety, many many on the autism spectrum, many many from the adoptive community, children who who are struggling with a lot of issues, um, and um, I think they they this captures them, you know, this, this gives them a, a silver bullet or, um, you know, a, a, a way to, um, I guess, you know, skirt around, um, trying to work through other issues, uh, you know, as if, as if this is going to resolve things. Um, we're only at the cusp of learning, uh, broadly about those who, have gotten into this and regret it. Um, the detransitioners, the, the desisters as, as they're known. Um, I think the mainstream media has nibbled around that a little bit. And so we've, we've been able to get a snapshot on that somewhat. Um, but I, you know, I, I do think that this is going to boil down to, um, I, I think that a generation of, of, um, Children has grown up under this kind of this veil, and but there's a the generation that's coming up behind them, uh, parents who are now raising young children, are probably uh, going to have at least a little bit of a leg up because one other common denomina common uh, denominator of the parents who I interviewed is is that um, they were all blindsided. They yes. did not yes. see this coming. There was just not enough information on their radar. Uh, they did not have the warnings. But now with, um, you know, that's really what I'm really hoping for this film is that it, 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 that it gives a heads up to parents who've got much younger children so they can be more informed. Um, and they can possibly make decisions that uh, other parents were too late. They were just, they were too late to To see it coming, to understand it, and by the time they they were trying to get their heads around it, um, you know their children were were out from under them all, already.
0: I want to talk about the um the film's title, dead name, because maybe some people might not know the relevance of what a dead name is. Um, so, for those who don't know, a dead name is essentially the the birth name of a transgender person who has changed their name as part of their Gender transition, that's kind of like the official um, uh, meaning of it. Um, A name that a child, uh, you know, the first thing that a parent gives to their child, the first gift that a parent gives to their child is their name. The naming of a child by a parent is an incredibly important, intimate thing. Um, When that name is changed in the process of this transition, um, I'd imagine that in itself would be an incredibly heartbreaking uh, moment within a parent's life. Um, Just that moment alone when a child changes their name um, as part of this transition that they're going through or they're assuming they're going through, what type of effect just that part alone has on the parents uh, that you have spoken to? Because I don't know about you, if my sons came to me um, and said they wanted to change their name, um, I would be incredibly heartbroken because I remember the exact moment when I gave them that name. Um, I remember right. looking at their tiny little fragile bodies mm. and giving that name to them. So I I would, mind my, my, myself, would be incredibly heartbroken uh, if that would happen to me.
1: I think, you know, like if, you, if a child takes on a nickname, you know, that seems benign and... and- Parent might not think so much about that, um, and that that name is still there. It's, it's still what what is um, you know on official documents. It's still at, in situations of respect that name holds, right? But when a child is usually saying to the parent, you know, I'm changing my name, and they're they're revealing that they're you know trans, that they're going down some path. It's it's such a stab in the heart. A parent mm-hmm. because not only do they have to get their head around um, something as fundamental as the child who they named is abandoning a name but this child is also abandoning they're essentially trying to I, I think the reason that it's called dead name is because it, of of the efforts to erase and the erasure doesn't stop with simply the name It it stops with uh, I mean, it, it continues with you know th- that child's dresses or um, pink things or girly things that 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 maybe that you know meant something to the parents for you know the gifts to the child. You know what I mean? It, it's the child is like not only taking a name um, and declaring themselves trans and and moving toward you know a different countenance. But they're also erasing the past. I mean, imagine what that is like for a parent. It's devastating. Uh, you know, I it's, think it's, it's, it's
0: yeah. It's, it's, I mean, just yes, absolutely.
1: There's no. I think you know, like there's there's no there's no grid for this. I mean, every generation has thrown off some chains and you know established their own way of being in the world. Uh, I don't know, you know, whatever tattoos, hair hairstyles, the clothing. Um, I mean, that's just nature is 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 to keep kind of evolving. Yes,
0: but this absolutely. is different. This
1: is, but this is this is different. This isn't just about individuating as as children do as they grow up. Um, this is not about you know um, joining something because they have some ideological. Um, um, adherence to, to some new ideas you know that they're anti-war or or you know whatever the category might be this is this is like um a, a denial of of who they are and who they were and and that were and that's my i think that's my point is that it worked on two levels they're not only heading toward some um you know attempt to be a different sex which which means that that everything is different. If you've ra- if you've raised a boy, okay, then then there's a whole bunch of of um, I, I don't know uh, rituals. There's a whole bunch of of, of of parenting that goes along with raising a boy, and then suddenly the, those boys are 15 and they tell you, "Now I'm going to be a girl." I mean, for, that, it is very difficult for a parent who has raised a boy or, or a girl to suddenly. Feel that that they now have a daughter where they once had a son, or vice versa. Um, I, I don't think that that adjustment from the parents' point of view um, can be can be you know overstated. How difficult it is for parents to try to shift w- with that, unless of course, unless of course that parent saw this from an early age, knew that their child was struggling for a long time, uh, you know, a loving parent had no choice, but to tune in and acknowledge that there was genuinely something wrong at a very young age. And that now this is sort of a manifestation, but when you've raised a child up through 13 or 15, and then, and then, you know, suddenly they start to become withdrawn and they're on the internet more and more, and they're isolated socially. And, and there's all this, there's all the warning signs you know that, that that parents see, but that's not where they expect this to go. The, the The expectation is not okay. The way that my child is going to come through this awkward middle school stage is to decide to change their gender. And it's, um, I mean, essentially, it, it becomes a, a, a transition for the parent. I mean, the these parents, so many of these parents are so, so depressed, um, devastated. They feel such a deep sense of loss. Some of them really have lost their children, um, who turn, who, you know, leave home, uh, because, uh, either they feel that they're not supported, uh, or because that child, um, has been, I don't know, made to believe that the parents so toxic that they have to leave home. um, and um the the loss is on multiple levels.
0: Well for everyone out there listening, Dead Name available now to view. You can go to deadnamedocumentary.com. I really recommend that every parent watch this film, but not only on their own, watch it with their children, preferably of course, teenage children or close to, because I think Taylor that there really is the a um disbalance uh, in regards to um, content out there, in regards to, especially when dealing with social media and the internet, and there needs to be more um, documentaries like yours to kind of put balance on, on the scales in regards to the full story um, of the whole transgender movement in teens and children because there needs to be, people need to see the full story from all aspects Of how these transitions really has a ripple effect not only amongst uh, a um, a family but amongst a community and I I see now I think that a lot of parents are now coming together and fighting back against this and um and I think movies like yours uh, make it so and I just want to say congratulations again to you uh, for you congratulations to you in regards to your movie you did a really great job here and um I can't wait to share this interview and share my review as well and I just want to say. Thank you again for your time and for your meeting.
1: Thank you so much for taking an interest in helping us get the word out.